Bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andrew Maine. Welcome to the Weird Things podcast with my co-host, Brian Brushwood. Yo, 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 I'm feeling it. I feel like uh, for anyone who listened to After Things and who was tweeting us, yeah, it turns out me and me and Andrew were talking different timelines. <laughs> uh, Justin Robert Young. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, this is, uh, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I didn't get enough argument in my household growing up. So that's why I, uh, I do the after things show where I can just, uh, be, uh, be, be covering my ears while mommy and daddy yell about which one is right about uh, future AI. Oh man. We've gotten so much better about it though, dude. Oh, we, we, like, we, I, I feel like we're, we're, we're mellowed out severely oh, over the last five yeah, years. I mean, I, we, yeah, cause like after it's like, are you like, no, like we're brothers this is what we do. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, no, anybody, anybody who thought that the After Things episode last uh, week was, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, some kind of thing, you, you know, you really need to listen to some of uh, the early episodes, which were derailed, like, within minute five, and then goes to, like, hour three of just, like, but I don't think that you're seeing my point, like. The space elevator. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you guys, you, uh, you uh, ran over my introduction because we have to introduce the other host for today our guest what what charlie charlie oh, okay now i've okay i've seen charlie the, the demon charlie the demon will be visiting us today <laughs> have you have you heard of this justin what in the hot ham water's going on here uh there's some there's something all the kids on the youtubes are uh, you know you remember the cinnamon challenge sure yeah <laughs> uh, okay imagine if um uh the cinnamon challenge was invite a demon into your heart and see him manifest himself. Uh, yeah, like, like remember, uh, remember, remember Captain Howdy on the Ouija board? Sure, Turned yeah. Out to be the devil in Vegan, in, invading Reagan. Um, yeah. We're just gonna do that now live because that's apparently what all the kids are doing. So wait, people are are trying to summon a uh, demon. Summon a demon. Since when did? Uh, all right. I mean, I feel like this is like, uh, okay. Well, it's maybe like, how the I world ends. Uh. I like uh, my favorite is Time. Time has on their newsfeed rights. Charlie, Charlie, here's a fun thing the kids are doing these days with school supplies using pencils to call upon an alleged Mexican demon with the Charlie, Charlie challenge, the latest internet fad. First, it was, you know, we had planking. We had, now we have summoning, you know, the legions of hell to come forward and possess us. So. What uh, you do okay, is you take yeah, two yeah. pencils, you balance one pencil on top of the other, and you have written on cards like yes, no, no, yes, whatever. And uh, then well, what I, you I'm do, sorry, I don't have any pencils. I don't have any paper, and I certainly haven't written down. Ah, oh, crap. Oh, we're going to summon All a right, demon. Andrew's already set up the Charlie Charlie <laughs> challenge, which, I mean, here's the first thing I think about is how far away is Vietnam to today's youth that we can say two things with Charlie twice, and that's not the first thing people think of. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, dude, who do you think invented this? Do you think this was some school kid or something, or do you think it's somebody who had prior knowledge I, of how stuff like the Ouija board works? I think the demons invented this. Right. Um, and remember, you know, we have a very popular pope right now who's also talking about who has a background in exorcism. And and not to say that I have a book coming out on July 7th called Name of the Devil, which may involve similar elements to this. And this may play very well into my goal of promoting this book and getting the topic going. But, oh, dude, I suddenly got way more excited about this. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but any event, you know, we do have a pope that's talked about. I, I, I don't want to get too much into the plot of my book, but let me just say that I've been like every every news event. I'm in like, oh yes, oh I wrote that before we had the new pope, and then the new pope. I'm like, oh he's perfect, he's perfect. Uh, <laughs> okay, this one will do nicely. So right now, if you're not familiar with how to set up the Charlie Charlie challenge, and I don't know much about the process, but I do know that you set up a left corner, uh, upper left corner, bottom right corner are identical. And then lower left and upper right are identical outcomes, whether they're yes or no or whatever. And you balance one pencil across the other. Hopefully, if it's anything like a Ouija board, in a way where it's like it's it's very wobbly and maybe susceptible to uh, 
uh, shall we say, demonic forces. Yeah, because that's what you want to do. Um, uh, demons love precarious balancing. Uh, you know, that's really where the devil's playground is, is, is things kind of balanced on other things. Did you, uh, did you guys listen to the radio lab where they, they talked about the dude who's apparently fucking Charlie, Char oh, I just cursed. Oh, yeah. Apparently Charlie, <laughs> Charlie did because it's just now pointing toward. Yes. <laughs> that was me blowing on it. I will just to clarify, I don't, don't want any deception. So you put this in balancer. So we have two pencils, one balance on top of each other, as Brian pointed out, and it is. I would, and we would get when I used to handle the million dollar challenge. We'd get a lot of these things where things are, if there's any movement, it's going to do something. It's going to move in one direction or the other. So I don't know if we would count it as you know all that, you know, supernatural. But uh, you know, if you're you know a room full of excited teenagers, you know, as we all are, uh, and you get that, and all of a sudden you get some motion or some movement like that, it starts to move. So. I'm going to try to and get by, this by the way, can, uh, b b before we do this, can we just can we just pull on hands in the air? There's a reason we do the Weird Things podcast, and it's because yeah. we've been at that sleepover where for a brief fleeting second, we truly believed we were contacting the other side, the other world. I mean, uh, as a matter of fact, um, you know, speaking of the, the younger demographic, uh, we uh, our tests that we performed in was it room 707 or I forget what it was. The, the the haunted yeah, uh, hotel haunted, uh, you and uh, Chad and, Johnson, uh, who oh Chad Chad Johnson O and G Chad Johnson wait you know Chad Chad of 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 Twitch fame yeah. uh, of of Minecraft's own uh, OMG Chad uh, yeah no you guys were there and man I'll tell you what that we could actually get some traction on this podcast we start pumping that to the uh, to, to to the Chad fans oh dude like, we should he is the star of that episode. Uh, so yeah, uh, what we did is is we did a lot of of uh, you know haunting tests, traditionally accepted a test to see whether or not some places is haunted, uh, and, and this is not just about where those kids at that sleepover. We 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 strive to continue that sleepover, uh, you know, every day of our lives, any way that we can invite something that's creepy and weird and demonic into uh, how we exist. The the better I think we we believe our lives to be. So so just. Uh, Andrew, can you give me a a demonstration of the Charlie Charlie challenge here? Okay. And I'll, I'll, there's I a process, to, right, that we have to follow. balanced, so it's not touching either end here. Right. We have our cards, and now what we would do is we'd go like, Charlie, Charlie, are you there? Charlie, Charlie, are you there? Should, should, should we, uh, since Skype doesn't let us sync up, let's go in the round. Charlie, Charlie, are you there? Charlie, Charlie, are you there? Charlie, Charlie, are you there? He hasn't decided if he's there or not. Charlie, Charlie! Come out of the woodwork, you asshole! Uh, Charlie, Charlie, uh, do all dogs go to heaven? <laughs> uh, now I know there might be some suspicion, you know, for me if I were if it were to start moving because like I'm over here. Yeah. Okay, so, so you're gonna move away so you can't blow on it or nothing. No. Yeah. So right now the uh, the the you know the one right. pencil is balanced on top of the other one, uh, okay. and again, uh, oh geez. All right, Wait, so, so we saying just no. saw so, okay, this move. You okay, just um, uh, Andrew is nowhere near the pencil. The pencil is no, moving towards Oh my no. good god, Charlie! Charlie is here. All right, so so Wait, Charlie, it's, Charlie's it's it's coming to no. So okay, Charlie uh, is apparently a skeptic. Uh, he think well. I I think what he's what he means. Is, oh Jesus Christ! Jesus. Oh my god! <laughs> what more proof do we need? What more proof? <laughs> <laughs> so visibly flew up from its set and and removed the card from the table. Oh my god! <laughs> Apparently, a demon far more powerful than Charlie is with us. I'm sad we don't get to ask our questions now because he just he just threw. I think he could still ask your questions, Brian. <laughs> maybe maybe we should ask Charlie. Maybe uh maybe his name's not Charlie. Maybe we got somebody. Wait, oh my god, what is happening? For the guys. Uh, if if there's ever been a time to <laughs> not go widescreen, Brian. <laughs> I will not. I I uh <laughs> There's a levitating, <laughs> incredible, amazing pencil. Hey, you should go back to thirds, yeah. There we go. <laughs> all right. I so, have no idea. Uh, so, all right. All right. So, so with with the Charlie Charlie thing, like, like, what, what, 
demon like does it have a, a credible demonology or is it just kind of like like the the candy man or something that like uh that you just kind of becomes a thing because yeah, people MIT say it's a thing studying this right now <laughs> <laughs> no, no no well well but i i would assume mit's anthropologists would probably be tracking down like you know where this comes from you know that's one of my favorite things is you know, you go to Snopes.com and you're not surprised to find out that something's an urban legend, but I am always fascinated to find out, you know, where it came from and, and, and where it got its start. Yeah, and I, so, I am care. There's nobody has right now. Nobody has done a lot of research on. I haven't seen any original research onto where it came from. Yeah. Um, which I kind of like. Oh, let's see where this starts. And you'd think it'd be easy to figure it out now, but I just love a Mexican demon. Yeah, yeah, that's so a Mexican demon. Uh, I like yeah. to think of this as our manifestation of getting over the hump on immigration. <laughs> I think it might be some sort of subtext that they're sneaking through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love, yeah, that would, dude, that would be great. I would love to see that as part of like a a presidential debate question. Like, why can't we get American demons back to work? <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, uh, as far as the, the physical explanation, The Independent has an article saying that uh, when you awkwardly position the pencils, they have to move some direction uh, due to gravity. And, well, and, and, sure. and like, they, I think like, uh, us explaining kind of uh, how this thing actually, the mechanics of it physically is, is far less interesting than it, uh, us either finding out what Charlie Charlie the demon kind of was doing or if there was any lore to well, it no, no, or no. I, I, in lieu I, of it I feel like we I should mean, be making it up I, I am I am interested because I was totally wrong I figured it would have been vibrations on the table or something blowing it but that's not what uh, what according well to it's something article. if it's in if it's if it's if it's in a state if it's not moving and something that starts moving then it's because some outside force on it and when you have a force and we were we were correct yeah. um, you know it's going to have to move at some point if there's some sort of movement on it. It's yeah. Newton, guys, Demon Hunter. Well, so, 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 what is? Can, can we write the Hollywood screenplay for Charlie's backstory? How does how does he go from being a a lowly demon of no import uh, into YouTube phenomenon? Um, I think that originally he was maybe some sort of Aztec demon or something. You yeah. Know? Was and his name like, Charlie originally, or is that his Americanized? It's Carlos. Carlos. Yes, it's Carlos. It's it's uh you know, and maybe he starts off as a little boy, Carlito. Well, you know? if I remember correctly, he was he was one of the he was slaughtered at the age of fourteen, uh, as, in order to make the sunrise the next day. In the afterlife, eventually figured out that, uh, you know, maybe the sun was going to rise anyway, and he didn't need to be killed. Uh, and in fact, I believe that's what made him as a spirit. You know, be very pro science. That's the that's the reason he's the internet's hottest demonic Mexican celebrity right now. Uh, well, you know, the thing with the Aztecs, if you're going to build a mythology around it, is you know they got the calendars, right? Yep. Like, and there is always the idea that like the Aztecs had a lot of this stuff sort of figured out that we have then kind of forgotten because it is a civilization that collapsed. So you could always say that like they kind of set up their own little pen for these demons with like, you know, the, with, with a time release. And now we are getting the Aztecs final revenge as they release their demons slowly, but surely onto an unsuspecting gringo populace. Now that's interesting because I would have figured like, if I was Charlie, maybe, maybe I would, you know, and, and I was an Aztec and I'd be like, yeah, that's right. 2012, it's going to end. And then it didn't end. You know, maybe maybe you're like, ah, crap, I got to tell people. I got to give them oh, that's warnings. It. Okay, so 2012 wasn't the end for society. Right. It was the end on the Aztecs' hold on these demons. And so now Charlie Charlie, who was a young boy, is free. slaughtered for the sunrise. He That's why he's interacting with the kids. But because you know? he died as a disenfranchised 14-year-old. He he was a victim of the power play of the adult-run struggle or society at the time, and now he knows that it's like, where am I going to go to reach out? I ain't going to go to scientists. They ain't going to listen. They, they're going to no. miss the phenomenon. I'm going to go where the kids my age are, and I'm going to yep. tell them the real truth. You know, maybe it's like when that dude left that was at One Direction. Zane, come on. It, have some and respect. caused all the problems. Maybe it's a parallel universe Zane trying to reach through the ether to make contact. 
Like I'm still in the band. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Just as plausible. Let's. Oh, by the way, wow. Um, according to this article on the Washington Post, they have a, uh, a tweets per day. Charlie Charlie challenge is zero for all of time until you get to. Um, Looks like, uh, wow, just this week, 523, all of a sudden, 1 million hashtags using Charlie Charlie Challenge in one day. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I think it's something susp- amazing to see how quickly things spread, and then we'll fade away. Okay, so apparently, uh, it's exactly hard to pin down a country of origin, but Charlie Charlie, also known as Charlie Charlie with a Y, has a long history as a schoolyard game in the Spanish-speaking world. According to a seven-year-old Yahoo uh, questions in Spanish thread, or or Yahoo answers, rather, uh, kids have been playing this version of a classic game in Spain for years. Traditionally, this version with the cross pencils was called Juego de la uh, Lapicera, uh, a term that still turns up a lot of creepy stuff on Google. Charlie Charlie was a distinct game played with colored pencils. At some point, the two games seem to have merged. I'll tell you what. and then so some newscast in the Dominican went all panicky about it, and then that's when it spread. Okay, and so Charlie 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 is a child who committed suicide or the victim of a fatal car accident or a pagan Mexican deity who now convenes with the Christian devil. Uh, and uh, but then it writes, the Washington Post writes, the Mexican deity bit at least is demonstrably untrue. Really? <laughs> well, how do you know? I mean, come on. I mean, okay, look, you could say it's untrue or it's factually inaccurate or it cannot be backed up by evidence, but demonstrably true? Are you saying you can prove that Mm -hmm. he's not Mexican God? They 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 do have the word demon in demonstrably. Uh, BBC Mundo expert uh, Maria Elena Neves is saying there's no demon called Charlie in Mexico. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm I sorry. You were going door to door taking the, the demon senses. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they did. They had, it's a was a whole thing that they did. 1983, I think that was was right before the big election. Yeah, the demon census. It's like yeah. uh, okay, and uh, you know, uh, this year the most popular demon name is Beelzebub <laughs> for the six thousandth year in a row. <laughs> I love the authority at which we speak of make believe. Can can I? Uh, uh, when there's a moment for it, I, uh, Justin, do you ever have that moment where it's like you're falling asleep on a plane and you have an epiphany or a thought or something and it strikes you as deep and you're like, oh, that's pretty clever. And then you fall off asleep, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. That, that is actually, uh, I, I often think I have brilliant thoughts and then realize that they're nonsense. Okay. I had one of those and then I thought it was so clever at the time. And I honestly don't know if it is. And I kind of want to hold it up for a review by you gentlemen. Uh, and, and it's, it's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Preemptive thumbs down. Andrew's is vigorously fine. thumbs downing this. <laughs> and, and, th- and that's what I assume is that there's no way that I've had a thought before anyone else. But, um, but I wrote a letter to myself as I fell asleep. Uh, uh can I read it to you guys? Uh, it's, uh, it's, sure. it's a bit yeah. No, Brian, we're going to let you get into this much buildup and then tell you no. <laughs> uh, okay. So I wrote myself an email that says <laughs> titled God. <laughs> It says here, there's no way this is going to go bad. Um, uh, It says, on this flight from uh, from, uh, where I was to Austin, you had the thought regarding ubiquitous cameras and development of artificial intelligence. For 2,000 plus years, I I, I wrote 2,000, but I I think you could say what? How long has Abrahamic God uh, been around? What, 6,000 years? Something like that. Yeah, so, okay, so we'll say, for 6,000-plus years, man has told stories of two things, an all-conscious being who watches our every move and the promise that through them we will have life everlasting, right? And then I wrote, uh, we've wished and wished and wished for it to be true, and now we are factually making it happen. And then I wrote, all the cameras equals all the eyes, facial recognition equals interpretation, and then I wrote the more vaguely worded, the human plus AI inspired healthcare work equals everlasting life or as close as we can get to it. Uh, and then I followed it up with an explanation of myself, just in case I forgot. I said, to put it more simply, man is building God. And then I wrote something about Isaac Asimov's final question, which, which by the way, if you haven't read it, is the, the short story, the final question about the nature of entropy and uh, an AI is tasked with trying to figure out if it's ever possible to solve entropy. 
and there's a clever ending to it. If you haven't read it, stop what you're doing right now. In fact, preemptively, my pick is Isaac Asimov's The Final Question. Um, but uh, I don't know. There was, there was something I thought— Is that the, the last question? Oh, is it the last question? Maybe. Uh, yes, I bet that is Asimov. Most the last question. I'm searching that. Yeah, there we go. That that's what it is. Yeah, the multivax. Yes. As a matter of fact, if you do a search right now for the last question by Isaac Asimov, copyright 1956. Um, but I thought it was fascinating. Like, uh, you, you know, in in the 1600s, you could say uh, you're being watched at all times and. Uh, absent a belief, you know, let's say if you're a full-on atheist during that time, you would just not believe it. There wouldn't be anything to it. Uh, and, you know, you would steal or rob or, or whatever with, with impunity, knowing that you weren't really being watched. But nowadays, there's nothing you can get away with where there where there's not a camera somewhere. And, uh, uh, and, so, uh, and so, so one half of the presuppositions is already true and becoming more true by the moment. And then the other half, like the life everlasting, that's that seems to me to be the singularity. That's the goal of of everybody working on on you know our our bodies and minds being able to be these transportable vessels that live forever, right? Uh, that's been and also one of the biggest criticisms of the singularity is the idea that it seems to fulfill some sort of Judeo Christian idea of heaven or you know that. Uh, uh, you're you're right to your thoughts, Brian. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, and keep in mind uh, these are these are the musings of of somebody you know uh, inches from falling asleep on a Southwest yeah. Airlines flight. So I'm not I'm not going to pretend it's it's high thought, but but I'm so glad I wrote myself because I had totally forgotten about it. I got home, I was like, why did I write myself about God? <laughs> I was like, oh wow, that's interesting. Well, you know, in it, it's it's. Uh, Back in the 90s, Frank Tipler wrote a book. Frank Tipler is a physicist, and uh, he wrote a book, I think, called The Physics of Immortality. Um, and, and it was the idea, and he was postulating that if you took a wormhole and you spun it, you know, you could create basically the idea that you could capture every bit of information that ever had. You could observe everything that ever happened historically prior to or whatever and all that. And then you could resurrect everybody who ever died. And there are a lot of problems with that thesis, you know, information loss, whatever. And you, but you find, you know, you get periodically, you get that, as you pointed out, you get, uh, and now it's, now it's the physics of Christianity or, you know, he wrote physics of immortality, which came before that. If you look at Tipler's oh, uh, previous books and it, you know, he was a, a, a Christian trying to reconcile the very devout Christian trying to, there you go, physical mortality, trying to re reconcile his beliefs with his wanting to believe or scientifically justify the idea of there being an afterlife or how, how we could create it or whatever. Um, you know, and it's an interesting premise. The first thing I ever tried to write back long time ago, years and years ago, was I wrote a book called Heaven is a Hard Drive because it was, you know, reading Wired magazine in the 90s. I was excited about the whole idea of and reading uh, – Singularity was just a tiny little notion, but all the nanotechnology stuff was exciting, and that was sort of you know that was one of the things that fueled that. And it and it you know it gets to be this exciting notion, but then you have to separate what is God, what is heaven, and what is God over time. Remember, God wasn't always all powerful. God used to be one of many gods, and then we kept as we rewrote the narrative, it became no, no, there's just one God. Right. Charlie's not a god. <clears throat> and and does this well, sound have, like a good you thing to you? Top the you got to top the original and the sequel, right? You know, yeah. you got you got to make it more powerful. And like, then you retcon. Then it gets retconned. You know, yeah, exactly. And, and, and at some point, God is Gwen Stacy. Well, so so to to the heart of my thought, as I was falling asleep on a Southwest Airlines flight, like, do you think there's something to be said that that? Well, yeah. Let's say, let's say let's say we see the point. Yeah, the singularity is man's attempt to make true this this inherent and universal desire to be immortal. I, well, I, I I mean, do you think that's? that's I mean, yes, yes, and no. I mean, I think that no matter what, uh, there is certainly an, uh, an an undeniable impact that art and narratives have on our lives and on innovation and on uh, you know, like our at the very least, our our understanding and quant uh, you know our our quantification of technology. Uh, but the the question is, how hard are we kind of working overtime to sort of plug? 
this one thing into this other thing, no matter how awkwardly it, 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 it might fit. I mean, isn't I mean, every the argument can be made that every every technology is the push towards preservation of life and then the end goal is immortality, you know, developing a, a spear to defend yourself or to hunt and food, you know, eat and do that. Everything is sort of towards that goal of living longer and healthier and all that. Your your observation about the cameras and stuff at centers, because that sounds terrifying and spooky. And, you know, I, I love I I would very much, you know, I loved in some of the Dune books they got into the idea of like having rooms that just could not be observed, could not be observed. Right. Well, and, and making thinking machines uh, illegal, you know, banning them, you know, and, and that's that's the thing. And I, I don't know if we've talked about this on weird things like people are aware that facial recognition is becoming ubiquitous, ubiquitous and making it possible so that you could track someone in their real time movements at all time. Now, uh, given enough cam cameras and a smart enough AI with enough access, we could follow someone from point A to point B, uh, uh, you know, everywhere. Or can you? It, <laughs> he says with a rubber band masking his features. Ow, ow, uh, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> but, but here's what I don't think people realize is that that's going to be retroactive as well. You know, there's going to be a time when we will go back through, let's say, politically polarizing figures. Uh, you know, let's, let's, you know, audience shots of, of um, you know, Malcolm X, uh, whatever's, uh, uh, you know, speeches, you're going to be able to go and say like, oh, that's current Secretary of State so-and-so that was definitely there at that, at that place at that time. And so it's like suddenly not only do we have to worry about what we're doing now, but there's like a, an incoming reckoning for what we've done in the past. As think about it, uh, uh, AIs are going to be able to analyze everything we've ever written and be able to say, well, this came out. Uh, two weeks after whatever, and was definitely influenced by this, which he almost certainly saw. And uh, like, as robots get smart enough to analyze everything, and we become reduced to uh, uh, I, I, the sum of our algorithms, I, I don't know. It's 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 amazing to me. I think there's there's I, a weird coming reckoning, and what for six thousand years people had been told will be factually, demonstrably true, moving in that direction. Uh, I, I mean, if I were a theologian, I would say that. Their their idea of God and joy and all these other things, you know, isn't so much about knowing as much as experience or something. Are you familiar with the Conjuring Arts Research Center project? Ask Alexander. Uh yes, I've I've heard of it. I haven't played around with it a lot. So for those of you out there, what they did is uh, Will Kalush, really neat guy. They have a Conjuring Arts Research Center. What they did is they they he has a humongous collection of magic books and historical items. They've taken all of these books and then they've have people gone through and itemize what's in there, and not just books like Houdini's contracts, you know, Houdini posters, things like that. And they've assembled this database so they could re they used it for Houdini to reconstruct a timeline of where he was, you know, throughout, you know, where was he, you know, on September second, nineteen twenty two, and it might say, oh, we think he was in New York at this time, whatever. And it's it's an amazing thing. They're able to do and take these a historical person and all these other bits of magic and be able to trace the history of that. Uh, so uh, and and for the record, it is uh, Will Kalush who, uh, in 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 part, uh, assembling all of this kind of stuff uh, with the Conjuring Arts Research Center twice. book about Houdini uh, and and with some very interesting ideas of of what uh, what he was actually up to and and also how he died with with a tremendous uh, a tremendous timeline that is not officially recognized yeah, yeah it doesn't really do like plain language queries but it has this data there and, and they're from they're able to draw this up and you know you see that now with facebook doing creepy things with your timelines and stuff uh you know this is your year and we're gonna put this music and make it feel really effing special i hate the oh god i hate those things oh well, that's just that's just because they're poorly ex executed right now i think they're they're gonna get better and better i mean eventually the robots will figure out what you like and they will cater to it I, I, I listen, different person, different strokes, different folks. I, I, I mean, I, I think it, it will, it will always be the treacly hallmark card of its era. Right. And like, there are some people who aren't really into super treacly hallmark, hallmark exactly. cards right now. They're weird, like, uh, you know, pre-printed, uh, versions that think that they know more about you than they might know, or, uh, are are more suited for different demos because there's a lot of people. I mean, like I have no doubt that those are best suited for the average use case of Facebook, and I don't think any of us are that. I, I'm I'm not a cinnamon guy. I don't collect. I don't collect 
stuff of where I've been or what I do and all that. The only the only only record of the past I really have is my email and my photo album and my iPhone. You know, and so like when I'm like, oh, here's what this was last year was like. I don't care. <laughs> Next year is what's important to me. So. So if they put together a a group of photoshops of what you're going to be doing in the next year, you'd be more interested in it. Then I don't have to do it. Something that's really creepy and weird. I mean, I creepy like so now if it's somebody's birthday, like on Facebook, you can just type in I and it'll auto it'll auto fill like happy birthday to the person. Yeah, but 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 there's there's an arms race there, right? Where it's like, I make sure never to do that. And in fact, if I get reminded that it's somebody's birthday, I will usually try to call them on the phone directly so that they know that I care and and, and that I recognize it. Um, if if didn't, somebody didn't just get a call sees, Monday, we didn't get a call. Mm, mm, mm. Except for somebody I hate. Uh, no, I, I, I apologize. I actually, God, I did see that it was your birthday and I just got distracted. Mm. All you had to do was type I. No, but see, that oh, I would not do. Oh, man. That I would not do because that would come across as a perfunctory, you know, because uh, you would Better know. to do nothing. Better to do nothing. Well, no, no, no. Better doing. Uh, you want a back rub? I'll give you a back what rub. What was that? Something about best intentions. Mm. Oh, you will finish. Carry on the conversation. Just carry on. <laughs> No, uh, but but like there's an awareness, right? Like when somebody just, you know, says exactly happy birthday, you'll know because you were given that option that 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 is a, you know, the lowest level indication of of, uh, you know, interest you can give. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's where uh, tensor guy. Yeah, I didn't reply because I'm not going to spend my birthday replying to all of everybody's birthday wishes. So there. <laughs> This segment uh, took a weird turn. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's the weird thing too, is you start getting like, hey, happy birthday, happy birthday. And you're like, uh, I, I I try to I want to respond to that stuff. You know, it's a weird thing. It's like I'd rather wish somebody a happy birthday. I don't need yeah. them to acknowledge that I wished them a happy birthday because I want to I want to imagine they're out having fun yeah. and not sitting at home, you know, watching. Yeah, yeah exactly. Where you're like, like, dude, 30 I, for 30s. I I clapped, you know, it's like the play doesn't end. And then someone goes around and thanks each person who clapped for it. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, you know, the- so, but it is, but Brian, you touch a very good point. So it's like with, with the Facebook thing and like, you know, the, the next step is, uh, auto have, have my bot wish your bot a happy birthday, you know? And, and, and it gets into this, we're in this very weird area. Well, okay, we're in this very now, weird- now, but, but here's the other thing, right? Is, there's almost a value to that because then we, we get to an escalation where it's like, hey, uh, this person seems to be interested. She, he's asking for a special favor, wants to come beyond scam school. Uh, hey, bot, what's my relationship with that one? It's like, well, you guys have swapped pleasantries uh, 37 times over the last two years. Uh, they've always reciprocated and they, independent of your uh, request, have shared 57 of your whatevers. We give them a trustworthy rating of 75% and we're willing to label them as a true fan of scam school. We, uh, where our analysis is that it would be a good idea to have them on and they would be a good fit. And I was like, great, go ahead and book it, have their bot uh, schedule everything and get it on. Like none of that bothers me. I'm totally cool with that because you know what? That's the way CEOs act today. And it's like, if all of us had the power of CEOs, then we would get a hell of a lot more done. I would say that there is a, and, and that's a way a lot of mutual funds perform too. And they perform less than the average, you know? And I think that there is, there is a place for that. I absolutely think there's a place for that. But, you know, it's like I just read an article talking about the Myers-Briggs test and how much BS it is, you know. But this is a thing used by 90 percent of the Fortune 100 companies because, well, it's a thing. It's a major thing. It's a thing. That we can, it says that we can do this sort of thing. And and I'm all for this as long as, you know, we don't give up. Well, let's ask critical questions. Let's not let's not invest too much in the model. We need to stop and take apart the models every now and then. But as the more we invest in, it gets scary. I'm all I'm I'm all for everything, but let's not forget how to be human. Um, do we? All right, here let 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 let's let's do the Patreon plug. Okay, I want to see whether or not we want to get into a conversation about the Myers Briggs test because uh, I know that uh, Brian has uh, as as recently and not to say that you know, he is a defender of it, but has recently become fascinated with the Myers Briggs. Yes, I, I think that's an accurate way to put it. Uh, but let's talk about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash weird things is where you go if you'd like to support this show. We are trying to create for you interesting and hopefully uh, equal parts silly and informative programming each and every week. Uh, I'll tell you this because of you, 
the patrons to this show. We just cashed out uh, since we have started, and I am putting every dime of what I got paid personally to a brand new rig that will not only benefit this show, but also everything else that we do. That is weird things money at work. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll double down on that. Uh, I called Justin this afternoon as like uh, and uh, as as somebody who has reconfigured his entire household in order to accommodate his live streaming and stuff. I called him up and I said, uh, uh, Bonnie had a nutty idea that I discounted out of hand, but the more I looked at it, the better it looked. Uh, I think we're gonna blow a lot of money to move this studio to rebuild it from scratch and move it down to the master bedroom where we'll get like. 30 more square feet of space that will have higher ceilings and better ventilation. It'll solve the overheating. It'll be away from the, the girls downstairs. Um, like we're, we're going to rebuild all of this from scratch. And it's because of what feels like found money to us from, you know, doing the weird things podcast, because, you know, we of course did it for five years free and uh, it's awesome that we're getting paid. My only request is come on guys. We're $20 away. $20 away for being at $666.66 per episode. Tell me we can make this happen. Everybody, a dollar and no more, right? Like we can't screw with the sense part about this. That's yeah. really the key. So we just need 20 people to give $1 uh, per it. episode. Or 40 or people to do 50 cents. That'd work too. Because then we'd be at over 500 patrons. You want to know? I'm not, yeah, we can't, we can't, can't risk it. Can't risk, can't risk it. it. Okay, we just need twenty. In fact, uh, what should we call the 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 twenty honorable souls who step forward in the next week? Uh, those who walk the left hand path. <laughs> those who walk the left hand path. Are you one of those who walk the left hand path? Market on 5-31-2015. The challenge was issued. We're looking for 20 brave souls to walk the left-hand uh, path. And by the way, a dollar does get you the After Things uh, show early, so you are able to listen to it as soon as it is posted and complete, which, by the way, happens because we now have a producer who has done such an amazing job on this show that Brian and I finally made the decision that we probably should have made like roughly a year and a half ago to bring Bryce on for Night Attack as well. He is amazing. This is great. You are great. Why don't we all be great together? Patreon.com slash weird things and if we so, go over 666 we're okay with that we're okay. uh, i mean hey listen uh one yeah, step at a time bro i mean that just means we're more metal than the devil so you know <laughs> in your face uh, the, the, the devil's shaking his horned fists down below us we're like oh i only made it to 666 you <laughs> uh do we want to uh, do we want to engage in a in a quick uh myers-briggs conversation Disca yeah no i think it's interesting uh for those of you uh who i i i took a um a seminar and part of it was you know take the myers-briggs test uh and um i i think you are 100 percent right uh uh andrew uh by the way justin took the myers-briggs test as well um i think you're 100 percent right andrew in that it's certainly its reputation is deservedly besmirched among CEOs who think that they can take people and treat them like cogs and, and move them around according to uh, pseudoscientific arbitrary things. But um, the context in, in the workshop that I took was, you know, how to communicate more effectively with someone who maybe, uh, who maybe sees the world differently than you. And um, you know, for example, you know, let's just take the extrovert to introvert uh, thing. I, there are definitely some people, extroverts, who derive energy from talking to other people. And there's other people, introverts, uh, for whom talking is distracting from the thinking and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it takes energy. Um, I guess the Myers-Briggs test strikes me as a valuable test, just like, uh, just like a test asking what's your favorite color is. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, you could take the same test five times and 50% of the time you'll come up with a different color. Uh, especially, you know, over time or maybe even day to day. But if you plan to use that to put people in a job, that's a dumb, dumb way to do it. However, if you plan to use that test to tell a painter what color to paint your room, then it's probably an accurate test. I, my, my issue, my issue with it comes from a couple things. Uh, one is the, the, the data, you know, when they have people take retest with it three weeks, four weeks later, you know, 50% or more people don't score, that score completely different. That's one problem with it. So it's like, 
it's unreliability is is a big flag. My second thing is is that I I'm all for if it's just we're just talking about introverted, extroverted sort of types. You know, it's very helpful to understand that. But when they have there's there's the there's several false dichotomies they put in there that are demonstrably the research says no that is not the way it works. Thinking, feeling. You're either the thinking or you're feeling. That is not the way it works. We know that from all the, the psychological research now. But to, to split it and to say you're the this or you're that as Myers Briggs does is harmful. Well, in my well no, 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 no. Well, and I, I think that might be a mischaracterization because there, there's certainly a spectrum between the two. And, and it, I, I don't think they say you're either one or the other. I think they say, you know, because like handedness, you could be ambidextrous. You could be lean more one way to, to the other. Like the example that I heard on thinking versus feeling, and we talked about this on a nine attack, was, um, you know, if you're the kind of person, you know, thinking when it comes to buying a car would be the type of person who does all the research, prints out all the comps, uh, checks, uh, uh, finds what's available right now used on Craigslist, marches into the auto dealership and says, I want this model at this price and this color. And I want to pay, uh, you know, this and not a penny more. And if you don't do it, this is the alternative car I plan to buy. And then they sell it to you for $5 over invoice. Whereas a feeling based person might say, you know, who do I trust the most when it comes to cars? I trust Ron. Ron knows more than anyone else. I'm going to call Ron. Ron, uh, uh, I need a new car and you're the expert in cars. Can you look out and then, you know, Ron, you know, be, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, my, my in-laws, uh, are very much feeling based purchasers on that spectrum. And, and I do believe it's different because I would never consider, uh, buying a thing because I trust the guy who tells me it's a good idea to buy it. You know, it's like, it, it would, on that spectrum, I feel like I would I would come down thinking. So I, I don't know. Well, I'm going to send you a link, which I'm sending to Bryce too. We should put up. It's real. It's worth reading. It's from Psychology Today. Okay. And uh, the psychologist goes through over there and kind of basically eviscerates uh, the that and gets into why where this is very counter to the research from what we understand now. And and again, I don't think it's 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 you know. Uh, astrology that it's complete but and i think there are there's enough utility in parts of it is why it's been carried on but i think that i i remember when i was a kid in school and i got diagnosed with one of the fad sort of ways of telling kids what you are yeah and that became that became a thing that i believed about myself and then it wasn't until i was 20 that i said no i can change and i can be different and i became a radically different, you know, I, I developed study habits that they said that I did not possess and could not possess, you know, and, and that's my fear about many of these things is because we, we want, uh, we are extremely predictable. There's a lot of data that shows this to us, but there are, there is a layer, there is an, an industry, there's an industry of people who don't get science, who don't get these things, who love science, who talk about it, but don't get it, who will put out this, promulgate this BS for whatever sort of reasons, and it can be very damaging. And that's my concern. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, when it comes to communication, uh, I, I, uh, I would say at the worst case, you could make a case that, uh, that certainly the fetishization of, of this test is, is akin to, uh, like a neuro-linguistic programming, you know, uh, which, which is, uh, full on pseudoscientific. However, at the end of the day, you know, reading up on neuro-linguistic programming and concepts like mirroring, basically boils down to a structure of how is this person positioned himself? You know, what's their posture? What does their posture maybe indicate about what they're thinking? If I mirror, you know, to use the, the neurolinguistic programming nonsense term for it, you know, their posture or their volume or whatever, if I try to match their energy, and again, there's no such thing as energy between people, uh, but, but as a shorthand, you know, it, it's sort of like no matter how faddish your diet is, if you're paying attention, if you're paying more attention to what you eat while you're on the fad diet than you were when you weren't on it, then you're probably going to be stepping in the right direction. Well, there was interesting research on mirroring, and they actually did a study to find out how effective that was and what happened. And they looked in clinical situations where they had people trying to apply it, and they found it was counterproductive. The, the people doing it, because some people were very good at it. But most people were not, and the people who were most people were not, and it was actually having a counter effect, counterproductive effect towards because they came off as disingenuous because it, it was it just it was, it was annoying to people. They were irritated by this or whatever. But because the practitioners were convinced, no, this is a thing. This is a real thing. You know, it ended up being a kind of thing where you know they defended it because no, no, this is this is I was taught this, and it's another thing where it's like we gotta keep asking questions, and and it's like, and I think like I think like. And I think with Myers Briggs, I'm sure that probably 25 or 30 percent of the people they're going to be pretty steady, you know, throughout when they get measured by that. But it's that danger of that, you know, we got to stop and go. 
is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it, is it we're doing it because it's convenient? But and, and I think that there is there is certainly in something like like the the the, the fetishization is not high like, like totally unconnected from the the how we understand it is valid and how valid we understand it right like uh, if if it is just if it is looked at in the same way that like uh, like you said like what's your favorite color or like a BuzzFeed personality quiz is looked at then it is less likely to be harmful to somebody's career, to their life, to their, uh, or even their, their self-esteem or understanding of themselves. Well, so let me, let me, let me turn it around. Uh, let's say, let's say nobody ever takes the test, but instead you look at the framework, um, and you, you look at, uh, again, we'll do the, the E to I, the extroverted and introverted. Um, it was extremely valuable for me to figure out that, that introverted people don't, uh, they, they, it is better to communicate with them. You will get better results. You will, you will make, you will tax them less. If, if you, you know, even though I would prefer to talk everything out on the phone, let's bang around ideas. Let's see what bub- bubbles up. You know, when you, when you look at someone, you're like, Oh, that person's definitely on the introverted side. Uh, for example, you know, Brant, uh, came in as an introvert and I realized like, Oh, I could do Brant a real favor by not calling him on the phone, but instead thinking out what it is I want to say and sending him a text. And he will appreciate that because I will not be taxing him. Like, I, I don't know that that was a bad realization for me to have. I don't know but, that. But that's, but I mean, that's weird. That's not Myers-Briggs is one of many tests that says, oh, we'll put a thing in there for that. You know, you, and the most popular one is the MMPI, which is a lot better and it's more comprehensive. And the problem with inherent flaws of Myers-Briggs is we put other people who lump things together not based on science, but what they thought they intuited. It, talking about introversion, extroversion, those are great things. Those are great things. That's not, I mean, Myers-Briggs, you know, every Scientology claims to measure these things. All these sort of things, at, you know, say that they deal with those subjects. So, yes, I'm all for, yes, understanding people who do have personality types, I'm all for that. I do believe there are types. I do think these things are real. I'm saying is Myers-Briggs, as a measure of it, is not, you know, uh, well, you, I think that that's that's actually good. Uh, I I did not. I mean, Grant, this is not a field for which I have found myself, uh, you know, in a particular interest to kind of chase down information by myself. But uh, I, I would have been more likely to think that Myers Briggs was the closer to the only game in town when it came to stuff like this if we had not had this conversation. So it's good to know. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Did, did I just hear the General Lee? Did I just hear the General Lee? Dixie thing in my in my head maybe. <laughs> it was really weird. I, I I maybe I just had an audio hallucination. I thought I heard da 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 da. That was really weird. So Are you I real up quick, no 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I and what's funny is like I don't know if if it's like maybe there's an ad on one of the the you know 15 different open tabs that uh, that did it and on something's turned down or whatever. Or, I I was I went for my walk last night and I saw some car squeal and I saw some other car get upset and this guy was in the back of this other car was very, very frustrated with the car that cut him off and it's this old VW van, really cool and van, right? And I see this angry face and he goes to honk his horn and it's it's like uh it's like uh when homer's designing the car for danny devito he goes i want a horn here i want a horn here and i want a horn here and i want them all to play la cucaracha (laughs) so it was it was hilarious because i saw this angry guy hitting his horn like yeah that horn ain't so effective now is it buddy (laughs) hey man charlie do you hear the general lee (laughs) dude uh do you guys want to do picks because i'm conflicted i don't know what to pick We'll do picks. We'll do picks. I got lots of picks. Do you? I got picks for days. Well, what's what's your pick? Show me your picks. Uh, so I have been uh, going through ESPN's Thirty for Thirties. Uh, what? Because you're a I'm big a, sports fan. I I am I am Brian. Sports are like video games to me. I I enjoy. I just have to keep them away from me because then it becomes an obsession. You know, sure. I mean some things. I mean like I I mean I I I. I wouldn't watch a baseball game on TV, but I would absolutely go see a baseball game in person. You know, you yeah. know that it, it's a different experience. Like, um, but uh, uh, the 
the one that I enjoyed, uh, one I thought was very interesting was a really nice, you know, was really well done was, was You Don't Know Bo about Bo Jackson. And I didn't pick it because, you know, he's, you know, went to Auburn like my brother and played for Auburn like my brother did. No, um, I picked it because, you know, Bo Jackson was one of these guys that was all of a sudden he's on the scene. This is a guy that's a football player. This guy's a baseball player. This guy, they're all the stories about what an incredible natural athlete he was fascinating sort of guy and then he gets an injury and he's out of the game out of both you know and uh he's one of those what would have happened if he'd been able to keep you know developing and it, it's sort of interesting but then they talk to him and he's a very interesting guy you know he's yeah. he's you know a bow hunter they talk to him he's a very some jocks you talk to like i mean the brian bosworth one uh was really good too because that was you just you got to see Bosworth back in the day when he is just the infantary B, and then you got to see him today where he's embarrassed by his behavior and he doesn't want his son, you know, emulating this or whatever. And you see that that you know, athletes, pro athletes, they start at 18 years old when the rest of us are given the chance to mature in privacy. Yep. Where these guys are out there in front of everybody and every stupid thing they do. Uh, is put out there. And so, but Bojax was very interesting to see. By the way, real quick on the Brian Bosworth thing, uh, he lives in Austin. And I was, and my trainer, like two months ago, was uh, casually looked over and he's like, hey, uh, do you remember Brian Bosworth? And I was like, yeah, like, that's, that's him. Apparently, we work out at the same gym now. <laughs> Which is nice. Pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, that's an an awesome county outside of Austin. (laughs) You found Jones and Brian Bosworth. Yeah. (laughs) Probably University. Say hello. Uh, (laughs) I should have, uh, but it was in the middle of things. Tell you what, I think that that's a very interesting uh, F. Mary Kill. Uh, yes. Well, and you could also throw uh, uh, Jesse James, uh, former um, uh, what, former husband to uh, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Uh, uh, I believe I've been told lives just down the street from Alex Jones, uh, just around the corner from from where I live. Uh, yeah. Another another great uh, documentary in that same ilk of like understanding uh, exceptional athletes, the psyche and how varied where they come from and how they are transformed by it is the uh, Marinovich project. Uh, about uh, a, a maniacal father who made his son into the perfect quarterback uh, or tried to and, and kind of the psychological damage that, that went into that. Uh, but back to Bo, not only was Bo Jackson an exceptional athlete, but what this documentary does a very good job of explaining was really, you know, in stories – you know, you always, uh, you know, in like the, the best sequels are the ones that kind of take this universe that you knew and then expanded it. And you realize, oh, my Lord, there's so much more that we can understand about this. Bo Jackson was a tipping point of a not only like what a freak athlete he was, uh, that uh, the mass media was there to distribute it, but also what being a star athlete meant in the modern era and one that we take for granted. But the idea of uh, him being a, a cross pop culture celebrity at the level that he was to make the money that he did. Uh, you know, he, uh, had, had a run, had, a, you know, a very, uh, public run in with the NCAA, which is still stuff well, that well, we that's, that's, with. uh, that's what the story I heard that I thought the 30 for 30 would be about is there was a Freakonomics episode talking about the game theory that went into, uh, him getting disqualified, like, like them, uh, uh some, pro team wanted him early they wanted him out they wanted him now so they gave him a flight and he went out and did it and came back like yeah anyway i went and checked out their stuff they're like wait you accepted all that he's like yeah they're like bo i'm sorry that's you're out and then uh and then the the team was like ah well don't worry you didn't graduate uh we'll we'll have you on and instead you know he held that grudge and and uh, did not appreciate getting played and it shaped his entire career from there he was, uh, yeah, and it was a t- tremendous amount of integrity. It looks like, like, I guess when he was a high school f- baseball player, Steinbrenner wanted to recruit him and, mm-hmm. and, you know, offered money. And then his mom's got like 10 kids. She's like, we don't need your money. You know, Bo doesn't want to do this. She wanted to see him like finish high school and do this sort of thing. And, he, and, and to be able to say that is incredible. And then when, you know, he got screwed over by Tampa, he's like, if Tampa recruits me, I am playing. I will not play. I don't care about the money. I will not play. Yep. Principled, you know how principled that he is. That is amazing to me, and, and you and you see him when they talk to him today, you know, and he's still, you know, 
you know, he's a guy that is is a a lot deeper than you know you would expect out of an athlete, and a guy that's such a natural athlete that had so many you know gifts in that way. He's a guy who lived. If you've ever heard about the ultimatum game, a psychological, you know, tool to to measure you know how generous you know people are feeling at any given time. He had a real life situation with the ultimatum game where he was offered money. It was take it or leave it. And he just walked. He's like, I'll go play another sport. Get lost. Yeah. He also, and they touch on this. And I think if, if they're, uh, you know, it's the reason why I love the age that we live in where it's like, this will not be the only contemplative look at Bo Jackson we have in our entire life, just because there's so much time and effort that can go into creating this sort of content. But they touch on the idea that Bo is very like Bo can, you know, uh, has, has constructed this kind of Paul Bunyan like sort of myth, uh, uh around himself, uh, even now that like, there's no, uh, it's not a, an, uh, an accident that this documentary spends a lot of time with him being this, uh, this, this mythic guy, uh, you know, in the woods, you know, who's still, you know, just this huge, powerful human being, like uh, shooting uh, boars with his, uh, you know, bow and arrow. He just still has this sort of uh, larger than life sort of persona to him. But th- th- there is an element of you, you kind of wonder exactly, uh, uh, not to question Bo Jackson's principles or anything like that, but uh, how much uh, of, of a narrative he shaped, which, by the way, makes him more of the, you know, the father of the modern athlete than, than, uh, than almost, uh, you know, a- anything else that he's done. And also it's worth it to watch just Bo Jackson highlights, man. Yeah. You just go on YouTube and just, just he, watch Bo Jackson. Highlights. even as a non-sports fan, it will blow your face off. After he was sidelined, he went back to Auburn and finished his degree. You know, he went back and, and, you know, did that. I think he's, he's, you know, very, a very interesting guy that, you know, the the story after I'm always fascinated, like what happens after and where do these people go from there? And, and he's, he's a very interesting guy because you think, you know, I I think, you know, he seems like he's happy being Bo. Dude, I don't know what to do. I, uh, I have three picks. One is a pick that I ain't even seen yet because one of your picks, what's that? Pick one of your. I haven't seen Mr. Robot yet, so don't pick that. Okay, well, that's uh, uh, all right. Okay, uh, I'm helping you here. I'm sorry. Okay, all right, guy, all right. Oh, I'm all right, all right. here. Let's Brian, talk about let me the narrow one down for you. How right. dare you, sir? Okay, well, for those of you who thought my pick would have been Mr. Robot, you should know that uh, you can watch Mr. Robot. It's a uh, uh, premiering next month on uh, USA Network of all places. I loved it, and I don't think I'm going to tell you anything about it except for in the first three minutes you'll see. That it's smart. It treats the subject of hacking with uh, integrity and in a realistic, believable way. I found it had. I see it. Uh, what's that? Is it like online somewhere? It's online. They 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 premiered it on there. There's commercial free. Just uh, search for Mister Robot. Uh, in uh, Christian Slater is in it, and a bunch of other folks that I didn't recognize. Um, it's uh, it's good. It's good. It's so good. I'm gonna rewatch the whole thing again. Um, the reason it showed up on my radar is somebody sent me a tweet to the IMDb where it had like a ridiculous, like, like 9.2 out of 10 rating. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take a bite. And, uh, it's well-deserved. It's, um, it's fight club, the series, basically it's, uh, uh, I dug it, but that's, but this, but that will not be my pick because, uh, Andrew hasn't seen it. Uh, what about you? What about you guys? Have you guys seen the Kung Fury, the 30 minute, uh, final delivered yeah. movie? I haven't seen the whole thing. Uh, am, am I going to get more out of it than what I got from the trailer, which is very clever in the video, which is very clever. But. It's uh, it's exactly the pacing of the of the trailer for thirty minutes straight. You get a you get a smirk every ten seconds. You get a laugh or a smile every thirty seconds. Uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It gets in and gets out, and that's it. Thirty. Yeah, minutes no, it is. I, I I will say that it is. It 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 does cleverly continue to add little little uh little twists to it that it is it is not just kind of uh let's take 80s action plus video games of the era and and mash it up 
uh, there is a, a funny script to it that is just kind of a funny script. It's amazing right. how you're able to talk to us from 1999. Yeah, it's, it's on his I'm in my watercolor world. I have no idea what the hot hell is happening. It's like <laughs> no, that's real, fine. Real Networks player. Uh, Brian, I sent you a link to the original hacker drama, which is a pretty high bar to pass. Uh, let's see. The original hacker drama here. Oh, my God. This was the thing that inspired me as a kid. <laughs> here, let me, uh, let me throw this on right here. Let's take a look at Andrew's original hacker drama drama the whiz kids tv opening theme <laughs> oh that's amazing god i vaguely remember this dude that was like i was gonna get myself my little portable timex sinclair or trash 80 whatever and i was gonna hack things and i was gonna disrupt the system man and dude get- that's then, then then you would have loved that moment in kung fury when they hacked time did you did you see that scene in the trailer uh, uh, so he did magic too he did magic <laughs> so uh, whiz kids our, opening theme all right so none of, none of that's my pick my pick is a show that i have not yet seen but that i trust will be amazing and it's on my favorite channel, given the fact that we're flooding constantly right now in Texas, on the Weather Channel. Three scientists walk into a bar. I want you guys One to check out says, Three Scientists Walk Into a Bar, starring your friend of mine, uh, Anthony Carboni, uh, Tara Long, and I don't know the third guy. Uh, but uh, it's it just looks like they had a blast shooting this thing. It, it, if you liked hard science from our friends over at Revision 3 on Discovery Digital, then then the spirit of that is very much alive in uh, in Three Scientists Walk Into a Bar. Tara explains really cool things. It basically is completely solid. Kiss. And then I do really stupid things. Kiss. I lit my hand on fire. <laughs> there you go. See, that's all you need. Uh, looking forward to it. It should be coming out, I believe, this week. Uh, tonight. Tonight. Tonight, right dude, I'm watching that tonight on uh, the Weather Channel. Three scientists walk into a bar. I think there's like a, a block of it. It's like three hours or something. Yeah, dude, uh, I am very, very excited, and um, congratulations to Anthony Carboni. This is very. Uh, oh yeah, no big, big shout out to him. Uh, it, I, it looks, it looks really, really funny, and I'm, I'm. Uh, I'll tell you what, I remember. When I did the We Have Concern show, it was right after he had come back from shooting it, and he was he was uh, uh, very very excited uh, at what they'd done. Well, and I I, I don't want to speak out of class, but um, the release schedule is not what I had heard the release schedule is going to be, which maybe suggests that that Weather Channel's so excited about it that they just want it out sooner than they originally intended it for it to be. Which is uh, doubly awesome now, if that's we true. We all know about uh, the 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 very studied studied and stayed logic of television scheduling. Am I right, people? <laughs> LOL. Uh, my pick is a pick that was uh, made here by Andrew a couple weeks ago. I watched the first half of the Grim Sleeper documentary on HBO. Uh, it is exceptional. Uh, I'm looking forward to finishing it. Uh, what I love. The most about it without totally rehashing everything that we talked about before. Uh, I love documentaries that kind of just get into it. And this is a documentary that spends very little time. uh, You know, Andrew and I very often kind of have these conversations about nonfiction books that, you know, spend, you know, there's like the first chapter is kind of about what you really want uh, the book to be about. And then, the next seven chapters are all about, you know, for, for you know, for I love Lu- for Lucille Ball, the first chapter is about the invention of the television and how, you know, exciting it was and everything. And oftentimes documentaries, just because if you want to stretch it into a feature length story, you very often, you know, if, it, if it's about South Central Los Angeles, you got to do 15 minutes about, you know, what South Central Los Angeles was and where, and it was an orange grove before the first settlers of the, like, this gets kind of right into the heart of it, and any kind of explanation that it has uh, to the region is tied directly to the story, and more importantly, the people. It is a story about people, uh, which is, uh, you know, very much kind of what makes it something uh, something special about, you know, community, race, class, police, uh, violence, gender. Uh, it's a lot of those things without putting any of those 
really in capital letters and distracting from what is a tremendously chilling narrative. So check it out. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to hear your, your, your thoughts on it because it is that that is that is I in watching the 30 for 30s, you know, you when you watch a bunch of documentaries back to back, you're able to sometimes separate when you really when the content is interesting versus the way it's presented does justice to it. You know, there's on HBO and I recommend and I'll, I'll talk about this in the after things. We'll get into uh, Banksy does New York. Um, but uh, uh, the one that like left me the most cold of 30 for that was was Jordan rides the bus. You know, and I thought like, man, it was, you know, it was 50 minutes long and it felt twice as long as it for what they wanted to cover. Yeah. You know, it was just the same people saying the same thing when like, man, there's there can be a very interesting narrative there about, you know, the legacy, you know, the idea of the legacy and in, in this and that. And it just kind of like, yeah, you went into baseball. Guess what? Started to get better. And then he, you know, strike and then he's gone, you know, and it's like, well, you know, there's there's I don't know, but. Uh, and uh, Brian, to your point earlier, you talked about, uh, you know, when you're able to go back and look at footage and see stuff and watching uh, the Corbin's documentary on the U and the U part two about the University of Miami is, uh, you know, they never mentioned the only he only comes up once. And that's in the U part two is uh, The Rock, you know, where yeah. you know, they show him giving a you know million dollar check. But when you watch the part one in one moment, you see a bunch of people celebrating, and there you see a young Rocky Johnson, you know, cheering on one of his – no attention, nothing said. They'd be like, wait, there's The Rock. Oh, yeah, you know, that's the thing I forgot at this time, you know, the 1991 around that era, he was playing for University of Miami. Wow. Uh, and that, by the way, is the great counterpoint to, uh, you know, the, the, the Bosworth, especially because they, they have an interaction with Bosworth where so many of those uh, U alumni – uh, are very proud of 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 the legacy that they that they set up, and maybe not every stitch of their actions, but certainly uh, a, a, the anti-authoritarian streak toward the NCAA and some of the uh, powerhouses that they thumb their nose at look a lot better in 2015 than maybe they even did in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, you know, considering the reputation of the NCAA and programs like Notre Dame and Penn State. I'm just waiting for the seventh floor clue crew to release another, you know, song. They, yeah, no, they, they they cover that in the U part too, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, seventh floor crew. If your girl <laughs> only knew. Yeah, it's over G- my head. G reg. Uh that was what that was is the uh the seventh floor was where the uh, the athlete storm and they uh decided one day to there was a project where they would get each one would record a rap, you know, part of a part of a part of a rap song. And it's it's a very accurate depiction of what it's like to be a baller on a at a university like University of Miami. And it's uh very extremely vulgar and it came out, it was super controversial, and they got in trouble for it because it was you know, like, you know. Well, yeah, it came out, I think, about a year after half of them had already left, uh, you know, uh, but it was, yeah, it's, I mean, listen, the, the, the one of the most visible boosters in the history of the University of Miami program is Luther Campbell of Two Life Crew. So it, yes. it is, it is very much in the vein of, of, of Uncle Luke's body of work. And, uh, and, and it, it delighted me to no end. I remember when it came out and, and it still brings a smile to my face. Oh, yeah. Gentlemen, it's been weird. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.